Luke chapter 10. As we're thinking about the kingdom and keeping that in mind and as we're looking at Luke, and I'm not trying to exhaust the uh, book of Luke, um, I'm just trying to point out and grab a hold of things uh, that I think are important we keep in mind in regard to uh, Jesus reigning and ruling in our lives in regard to our life in the kingdom. The kingdom was a hard thing for the disciples to understand. In fact, they didn't understand it. They, when you said king, they understood king. And, but the kingdom, the kingdom of God, is a hard thing for them to understand. It is a spiritual kingdom, and it was not yet it was not there yet, uh, not yet uh, visible to them. Um, and I think we, maybe we downplay, uh, maybe we sort of make fun of them. Boy, they just didn't get it. They just didn't get it. We gotta be real careful about that. Because I've been on purpose trying to study the book for 30 years and sometimes I just don't get it. I'm just missing it. To some degree, you know. Um, so what I'm, what I'm presenting to us tonight is for consideration. And I think these are some very important principles here. Uh, regarding the kingdom it's not it's not what the disciples were looking for the king they were looking for the messiah they were looking for the christ and in jesus they were certain they had found him and they're following him and yet there's still things in regard to the kingdom that just doesn't make sense to them they're thinking number one and foremost they're thinking from a nationalistic mindset they're thinking about the nation of israel in regard to the kingdom. Well, the kingdom's bigger than that, and it's not political. Uh, chapter 9, verse 46. I said chapter 10. I'm sorry. In my mind, I've already gone to chapter 10, I guess. Chapter, well, one thing, there's such long chapters in Luke. Uh, 9, verse 46. Now, an argument started among some of the disciples, if you can imagine that. But the argument was, which of them would be the greatest? Some of this application is just so simple. But there is a temptation. There is a temptation for us to put among ourselves levels. I just want to be a better Christian than Richard. You know, Richard's my ideal Christian. Well, Richard is a Christian, and I love him, and I'm going to imitate his faith as he imitates Jesus. But Jesus is the one I'm following. And the kingdom's not like you think. And what they had in mind, their mind, and the kingdom, there'd be levels of authority and significance and importance. An argument developed among them as to which of them would be the greatest. Jesus, knowing their thoughts, he took a little child 
and had him stand beside him. And then he said to them, Whoever welcomes this little child in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. Here's the nature of the kingdom. For he who is least among you all, he is the greatest. He'd say over in chapter 22 when, you know, you'd think by that time they'd quit arguing. No, they're still arguing because they don't understand. Not till the Spirit comes and the apostles give all this instruction will anybody understand. But here's how the kingdom's different than the world. The least among you is the greatest. And here's another thing about the kingdom. And, you know, maybe I don't understand verses 49 and 50. If you can fit them in to what Luke is in the middle of saying better than I do, then let me know how that is. But it's always intrigued me. Right on the heels of that, Luke says, Master, said John, reckon he's one of the ones in the argument. I'm, I'm putting a nickel to a hole in a donut. He's one of the ones in the argument. Master, John said, I'll give you more. I'm trying to make his sermon no longer than it has to be, but I'll give you rationale for why I think John's one of the ones arguing about it. Master, said John, we saw a man we saw an old boy over here driving out. I bet the guy they saw wasn't even in the argument. What do you bet? We saw, we, he wasn't even in the argument we just got in trouble for. He wasn't even a part of that. We saw a man driving out demons in your name. We tried to stop him because he's not one of us. See that spirit, that spirit right there. The spirit behind that statement just says to me, you're probably one of the ones in the argument. We tried to stop him because he's not one of us. Us disciples, us apostles, one of us in the argument that got in trouble. I don't know. Do not stop him, Jesus said, for whoever is not against you is for you. Don't, don't, don't think... This is what connects this for me. Don't think that in the kingdom there's going to be levels of importance and authority. And, and it's not like that. The kingdom is going to be about innocence and humility and service. And he expounds on that in chapter 22 when they get in another argument. But humility and service are what marks the nature of the kingdom. Uh, not arrogance and condemnation of others. Jesus said, if he's not against you, he's for you. As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, here right on the heels of that, as the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. And he sent messengers on ahead who went into the Samaritan village, who went into a Samaritan village to get things ready for him. But the people there did not welcome him because he was heading to Jerusalem. See, they have this 
They have this undying beef with Jerusalem because Jerusalem is the epitome of the Jews putting themselves above the Samaritans. And in some sense, they were all one nation. I know the Samaritans are half-breed Jews, but the Samaritans really were the ten tribes. There's more people if you count heads in, in the ten northern tribes than there were the two southern tribes. And God's people had divided themselves, and, and you can't agree with what the ten northern tribes were doing, but neither can you saddle up the arrogance of Jerusalem. I mean, Matthew 23, when Je- oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. This Jesus talking. You who stoned the prophets and killed those sent to you. Does it sound like Jesus is proud of Jerusalem? How often do I long to gather you as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings? But you would not have it. And he said, you took this that was my father's house and it has become for you desolate. It is now your house. You've turned my father's house. He's not. Matthew 23, read that. He is not happy with Jerusalem. Well, these Samaritans weren't happy with Jerusalem either. In fact, if that's where you're headed, get out of here. Well, maybe I'm making too much of that. But I'm offering it to you for your consideration. And when the disciples, James and John, not that they were part of the argument, but they have been part of such arguments before. Uh, I think James wanted to be Secretary of State and John wanted to be Secretary of Defense. I don't know, but they're asking for special places. But when the disciples, James and John, saw this, they asked the Lord, Do you want us to call down fire from heaven to destroy them? And some manuscripts have, like Elijah did, Oh, well, we just had a deal with Elijah and Moses being with Jesus this morning, didn't we? You listen to Jesus. Hmm. But Jesus, he turned and, and rebuked them, and some manuscripts have, you do not know what spirit you are of, for the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. See, they're taking the, they're, they're, this is what I'm offering to you for me that connects all this. They're taking the kingdom and they're making it into a contest where I'm two levels ahead of Brandon. That's not the kingdom. That's not even the call of the kingdom. The call of the kingdom is how can I serve Brandon? That's the call of the kingdom. Not for me to try to elevate myself above him. The call of the kingdom is unless he's in opposition for the me- to the message for me not to be in opposition to him, whether I'm familiar with him or not. The message of the kingdom is not to condemn and, and bring down fire of condemnation on people. Jesus had a little bitty argument, I guess, with the woman at the well. She said, well, now we're worshiping in, in uh, Samaria. We're worshiping up here on the mountain where we've been worshiping a long time. And you Jews worship in Jerusalem. Jesus said, we're right and you're wrong and moved right on. We're doing what we're supposed to be doing. Were the Samaritans doing what they were supposed to be doing? No. On so many levels, No. But there's not anybody on earth that's the judge of that. 
she was also, well, that's another sermon anyway, but uh, we talked about that in Bible class this morning. There's a lot of dialogue there in John 4. She has an appreciation for her lineage to Jacob. That's her Jewish lineage. She has appreciation for that. Jesus builds on that and she winds up putting her faith in him. But you're gonna you're gonna damn these people just because they didn't they didn't accept me the way you wanted them to accept me. They weren't in opposition to his message. What made them mad, evidently, is the fact that he's headed towards Jerusalem. So if you're in support of Jerusalem, get out of here. Now that's I'm not reading in, that's just what I'm gathering. It's not just because they're Samaritans, it's because of their rejection. But their rejection for him was because of his headed to Jerusalem. At any rate, Jesus rebuked them and they went on to another village. It's very interesting. Uh, but if you look over here in chapter 10, where's that? About verse 11. When he's going to send out 72 of these disciples and he sends them out uh, like sheep among wolves and they go out preaching the kingdom of God. Uh, down here in verse 11, he says, well, we'll back up a little bit. Uh, verse 10, when you enter a town and are not welcomed, he just got through saying something about this over here. When you enter a town and you're not welcomed, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town that sticks to our feet, we wipe off against you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God is near. Well, they're judging them or not? Well, he told them to make a judgment. If people are in direct opposition to the message of the kingdom, go on. Go on. He didn't say call down fire from heaven. He just said go on. He said over in chapter 6, just like he did in Matthew, judge not lest you be judged. In Matthew's version of that, chapter 7, he says, Judge not, lest you be judged. And then he told them to make four judgments. Don't give pearls to pigs and don't give what's sacred to dogs. He's not talking about dogs or pigs. You've got to figure out what's a pearl and what's not. You've got to figure out who's a pig and who's not. You've got to figure out who's a dog and who's not. You've got to figure out what's sacred and what's not. And don't waste the kingdom on those in opposition to it. If they're opposed to the message, go on. But it's not far, it's not far the followers of Jesus, it's not far them to bring God's wrath and condemnation. Out of all of this, here's what I'm saying. There's lots of complicated stuff in here and maybe my puzzle pieces don't fit together. Do you want to Question that, point me out to your questions, and maybe they'll help me. In regard to the kingdom, you best be humble if you want to enter it. Because when he pulls the kid over here, it's not for the intellectual capacity. It's not for all the good things he's done in his life. It's for the innocent 
humility that children have. They just love people that love them and they're willing to follow people they love. Don't be, don't be offering condemnation because when you start trying to divide the kingdom in levels, when you start trying to elevate yourself, you're automatically putting somebody down. Stop that. Don't do that. It's not the call of the kingdom. My mama wasn't the greatest theologian, but she taught me when I was a little bitty because my daddy was bad about this. And she said, uh, don't ever make fun of somebody that believes in Jesus. They'll be careful about that. Now you, you sort that out how you need to. I'm just telling you, I think he's laying down a foundation of humility and he's laying down, be careful you don't put yourself in the seat of the judge because there's just one lawgiver and judge and it ain't me and it ain't you. No, that's a fact. And then on the heels of this, he says, as they were walking along the road, they just got in trouble for arguing about who's the greatest and, and pushing other people off. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I'll follow you wherever you go. And Jesus replied, foxes have holes uh, and birds, have, birds of the air have nests. But the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. I don't know that I catch all that metaphor, but are you trying to follow me to a place? Wherever you go, I will follow you. Well, foxes got a place and birds got a place. I don't have a place here. Are you following me or are you trying to follow me to a place? He said, these are not parables. This, is, this happened. He said to another man, follow me. But the man replied, Lord, first go let me bury my father. Now we read that like his father's laid out on a slab and all they lack is the burial part of the... That doesn't really make sense because... They don't have morgues and morticians and his father's not been somewhere for a week and they're waiting until all the family comes in. That's not how they operate. When somebody passes away, you, you deal with it right then. It's like, well, maybe my father's getting on up in years and sooner or later he'll pass away and that'll kind of... No, the kingdom's not to be put off. I don't, think, I don't think you can take this and make Jesus against funerals. I don't think that's the point at all. But the man replied, Lord, first let me go bury my father. And Jesus said, said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. It's bound to be a play on words. He's bound to have been saying, let the spiritually dead take care of the dead. Don't, don't let that impede you from coming for the kingdom. Let the dead bury their own dead. But you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. And still another said, I will follow you, Lord. But first, let me go back and say goodbye to my family. There again... Is his family just around the block? I mean, they're not 100 yards over here, Lord. I just want to go hug my mama's neck one time, and here I come. 
I don't think that's the conversation. I think the conversation is, if you're going to put off, if you're going to put off the call of the kingdom and what it's going to cost you, don't do that. I'll follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Now that may seem, that may seem harsh. I think Jesus was deliberate. But I don't think he was ugly to people for the sake of putting them down. I think the call of the kingdom is sobering. I listen to this. I'm inviting you to listen to this. Do you hear the, do you hear the kingdom's call to you personally? Do you hear? It is... And I realized that initially, initially the kingdom has a call and it's come to Jesus because he's the king. And coming to Jesus, you don't get in the water to be baptized and start arguing with God or somebody else about how great you're going to be. That's arrogance. And arrogance doesn't put you in the water's baptism. If it does, it's sin and it's not faith and it doesn't work. Baptism marks what? A death to self and a union with Jesus. A denial of self and an acceptance of Jesus. Well, the call of the kingdom never really changes. It's just God's not calling me to be immersed in water every single day. But God is calling me to subject myself to the king, to the purpose of the kingdom, to the purposes of the king, and, and to renewal, to follow him on a daily basis. I get that from chapter 9, verse 23. Anyone would come after me, he must take up his cross daily, deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Where are we going? Not to a place we're following Him. I'm not trying to follow Jesus till I get to this place where my, as soon as my finances get in order, I'm dumping Jesus going back to... You don't dump Jesus and go back to anything. Once we hook up to the purpose of God, we're not looking back trying to accomplish the... We're either, we're either going forward in the purpose of God... Are we trying to go back? And it's not, don't, please don't turn this and don't turn what I'm saying into, because that's defeated up here. That's why I chose to start this in verse 46. If this starts an argument within yourself of you're not doing good enough, then you're, you're up here having this argument with them. That's not the point. I think the point is, are we listening? I, I got to listen to this every day, brother and sister, just like everybody else in here. I have to listen to this and I have to decide, am I, 
Is he my king? Am I listening to this? Am I, am I turning these puzzle pieces just so that they suit me and that's okay? Or am I really opening the book and saying, okay, Lord, show me, show me where... Show me where I'm being misguided. Show me where I'm being misled. Show me where I'm, I'm looking toward the desires of my flesh. Show me where I'm, I'm condemning others to elevate myself. I think we have to consider the kingdom's going to cost us. To follow Jesus is going to cost us. He'll develop this greatly in about four chapters. But it's going to cost me. It's going to cost you. The price for me is not what it was. In principle, it still is. What the call was for me in 1978 was to die die myself, be joined with him, and follow him. And I did, and I tried, and I failed and I didn't and I failed and but there's a process to understanding here and so I'm encouraging us tonight my encouragement is always to seek humility and service my caution my encouragement to us is is let this caution us when those closest were Jesus were quick to condemn others to suit their own needs or, or maybe to establish their self. I don't need to condemn anybody. I need to, press, I need to preach the message of the kingdom. And I myself need to stay open to that message. Not set myself in place of judge of other people. or whether, Well, are they accepting it enough? That's not, my, that's not my job. My job is, am I hearing the message? Am I hearing the call of the kingdom for my life? Am I putting it off? Is the kingdom calling me and I'm just putting it off? Well, let me do this and then I'll submit to you. Let me do this and then I'll, I'll deny myself. There's a difference, there's a difference in me putting off the kingdom to to promote myself and me struggling with some certain submission to the kingdom because I just don't know how to do that. That's two different things. And we're warned right here in the middle of this, don't be condemning other people. So, I offer that to you. That's real. Maybe I misunderstand this text. If I do, you're more than welcome to point it out to me. My desire is not to prove myself right. My desire is to follow the king. My desire is to preach his message. And I do know this. The pathway to God is not approving self and condemning others. The pathway to God is the pathway of humility.
because the way to God is through Jesus. And the call of his reign and rule in my life is continually a call to submit to him as king and to trust him. Let's pray. Almighty God and Father in heaven, we love you, Father, for who you are. We don't know anybody else like you. We, we are so amazed, Father, at Jesus. While he was God in very nature and being, and he left that glory and he came here and dwelt among us. What a, what a lowly position to bring himself to this world where he could be misunderstood and ignored and abused and mistreated and falsely accused and punished to death in his innocence. Did that, Father, because of his devotion to you and your purpose, because his love for you and your will, because of his love, Father, for lost people. He came to seek and save that which is lost, and anything that Jesus tells me that turns my apple cart over is trying to save me. That's all. I'm not anybody's judge, neither is anybody else in here. There's one lawgiver and judge, and it's not us. It's you. We want, Father, to submit ourselves to you. We want, we want to find ways to submit ourselves to you. We want to find ways, Father, to give ourselves to you. We want to find find the avenue, Father, of of humility, of value from the king that owns us, not value in what we look like, what we supposedly think we have accomplished. We want, Father, to help others. We want to give them life. We want to give them salvation. We want, Father, to share with them the kingdom, not sit as judges over them for where we see them failing. We want to offer them life. We want to offer them your son, Jesus. Help us have the patience and the wisdom to do that. Help us, Father, to remember that the one who loves us the most is the one who died for us. That the one who loves us and died for us is the one through which you will judge all men one day. Help us to hang on to him. Help us to cling to him. Help us to look to him and help us to trust him, Father, please. He has delivered us and he will deliver us. You're faithful and you're true. And you will do it. We trust you, Father, to redeem us body, soul, and spirit. Redeem our minds again and help us to open ourselves up to the call of the gospel. Not just to obey it initially, Father, but to really take it seriously every day of our lives. Transform us and guide us and lead us, Father. We're, we're not mock, marking off what it can cost us. We just love you and we want to follow you.
ask you to bless us as your people in your will according to your word. And when we get outside of that, Father, or we go astray from that, you direct us right back to your Son as we love him and we want to serve others in his precious name. Thank you, Father, for hearing our prayer. Thank you for being with us in our struggle. Thank you, Father, for giving us victory in Jesus. It's in his precious name we pray these things now. Amen. Whatever you face, whatever your temptation, whatever your struggle, Jesus is the one who has victory over that for you. And we're not to condemn ourselves. We're not, we're not, you're not the judge to condemn yourself. Our job is to look to him. You're not going to find anybody loves you more than God loves you. You're not going to find anybody that's more powerful than Jesus Christ. And it is their call for you to come to God through his only son. Whether you've been saved 85 years or you're just thinking about it to start with, that's, that's the invitation to you. Let the Lord help. If we can help you, let us know now while we stand and while we sing.